You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me. We're going we're, we're to uh, jump into this. I, I believe that God gave me a word. My, my prayer at the beginning of the, the year this year was, um, I always try and start the year with just, just, a, just a little thing between me and God. So, uh, you know, there's 101 things on, you know, the priority list or on the leadership list, on the church list, on the ministry list. But I found that God isn't just about business. He's actually about family. He's actually about you. And so I always try to, you know, have something every year that I'm asking Him for personally, that I'm believing Him for personally. And uh, for me this year, it's, it's C. I'm just asking Him uh, that, that I can see clearer. So a prophet in the Bible isn't someone who hears necessarily from God, but a, a prophet is also called a seer, S-E-E-R. And so you'll find all the way through when you read the prophets, they, they said, and I looked and I saw, Ezekiel saw wheels within wheels and he saw living creatures and he saw, and then God, the word of the Lord came to him as he saw, you know, uh, the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, said immediately a voice called me up into heaven and said, come up here, I must show you things that must take place after this. And so, uh, so Jesus said the prerequisite for leadership is vision. If the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into a ditch? So somebody needs to see. And I think that sadly, as I looked around the church, world around America and even sadly Australia where I grew up and, and uh, New Zealand and other places, I found that the church had become blind. The church was no longer seeing. And there's always a danger for the church. Uh, and it's very, very easy. The Bible says, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So I find that the devil is the great defiler. He's always trying to defile my heart because it clouds my ability to see God. And so what happens when we buy into the same philosophies, if, if the church is just an echo chamber of our culture, we go blind, we lose our voice, we don't see, we don't see. Leanne and I were talking about, you know, uh, sadly what crept into the church was, you know, this, this whole social justice gospel. And, and the, 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 just, just so you know, is he against social justice? What's wrong with him? He's one of those, oh, I know where he's a xenophobe. No, just before you, you, you need to understand that what the, what the world says and what they actually mean are two different things. All right, hang on, let me just help you. So, so if I said to Leanne, hey, babe, Friday night, no date night, guess where I'm going? And she says, where are you going? Like, well, we're not doing a date night. No, 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 no. I'm going to a gentleman's club. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to go to a gent because, you know, obviously being a gentleman's club, they're going to be teaching chivalry. <laughs> you know, teach you how to pull a chair. It's a ge I mean, the world, the world never calls it what it is. The devil never calls it what it is. So social justice isn't about social justice. It's about social judgment. Because they reject the crucifixion of Christ, they reject the fact that Christ made atonement for our sin, that all of sin. So they, they, they will always find there's a victim and therefore a perpetrator. And they spend less time trying to help the victim as they do spend all of their time trying to crucify a particular people group, a particular demographic, a particular... 
So, so when the church, the church kind of bought into that and then the church kind of lost it, its sight. And so in, in, in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was hovering over the face of the waters. I just love nothing's in the Bible by accident. He's hovering over the face of the waters. Why is he not hovering over the land? He's hovering over the waters. Because when, when the Spirit of God moves over the land, he doesn't see his reflection. Remember, everything is black. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is formless, void, and darkness covers the face of the deep. So everything is dark. We haven't got to verse 3 yet. In verse 3, God turns the lights on. In verse 3, He says, let there be light, and light was. So this is pre-light. So there's no light. Everything is pitch black. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says that God is light. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And so He moves over the land, and there's no reflection. But when He moves over the water, He sees His reflection. God created the world to reflect His glory. God created man to reflect His glory. Now watch this. So, so, so I'm not sure if you've ever taken a light. If you're, if you're in a room and there's a mirror and you shine the light in the mirror, it's like now you've got two lights. Did you know that? So you, if you, you can shine the light under the bed and wherever that light is going, it will light up. But if you hit the mirror, all of a sudden it's, it, the, the light will double. Because, so the Holy Spirit who is light hovers over the water because He is lighting up the darkness. The Holy Ghost comes to light up the darkness. But then God does something beautiful in Genesis 1.26. He creates man from the dust, from the ground. So that whether he's hovering over the water or whether he's hovering over the land, both his image is being reflected. He created you to be an image bearer and a likeness bearer. But God, God never asks you and I to live by something that he doesn't live by himself. I know, I know our politicians don't do that. You know, our politicians have rules for thee, but not for me. So they'll tell you, you can't go to the salon, they go to the salon. You can't go out to dine. And then our, you know, governor in, in uh, San Diego, uh, in you know, California, Governor Mussolini, he'll go to French Laundry, you know, and, and he'll tell you, you can't dine indoors and he's dining indoors. And you can't be with, you know, more than six people for, for Thanksgiving and he's got 22 people, you know, with him. And you have to wear a mask in between bites and none of them are wearing masks because they have rules for thee. But, not for, but God doesn't live like that. So I just want you to know that's, that's not God. Everything that God asks of you is, is something He models first Himself. So we just had Vision Sunday a few Sundays ago. And, and vision, vision is, is modeled by God in Genesis 1. So Genesis 1, God creates. God created the heavens and the earth, formless void. Hebrew is the words tohu bohu, which means chaos, disorder. Darkness covers the face of the deep. Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and light was. So biology tells us, science tells us, that for the human eye to see, light must be present. For you and I to see, light must be present. In the absence of light, there's no sight. God doesn't turn the lights on till verse 3, but He's already done. He's already creating heavens and the earth. So God wants you to know that, that 
your, your life is determined, your, your future, the, the world that you are creating is determined by vision, not sight. Sight is seeing what is before you. Sight is when the light comes. Vision is the ability to see in the dark. Vision, sight tells me what's in front. Now, uh, how many people know that there's a, there's a number of truths in the Scripture? One of those is that everything to exist must be born twice. For anything to live, it has to be born twice. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you'll only die once. That just confused people. Let me just explain. So Jesus says, Jesus says you must be born again. You must be born again. If you are born again, you have no fear of death because death has no power over you because you're born again. You have eternal life. But if you reject being born again, if you're only born once out of your, your, your mother's womb, if you're only born once, you'll die twice. There's the death. And then the Bible says in the book of Revelation, and these were taken and they were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Let me just explain you. You don't want to be there. You'd be better off being born twice than being born once. But everything, everything, everything has to be born twice for it to live. For example, this, this phone was, was born, born a second time when it was, came out of the production line. But before this phone came out of the production line, it was first born in the mind of Steve Jobs. The building that we're sitting here, before they constructed it and it physically exists, an architect sat down with this on this land and a designer sat down on this land and, and constructed a building four stories high on this plot of ground. It existed in the invisible arena. It existed in this realm before it existed in this realm. So God is modeling in Genesis 1 that, that for you and I to have a future, you've got to operate with vision. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who's, who's the helper. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. Jesus says, I'm going to go up to heaven, sit down, I'm going to tag team. It's like the WWF. The devil may have your head in between the ropes. He may be pummeling on you, but don't worry. I'm going to get up, I'm going to tag. And, and the Holy Ghost is going to come. And he's going to come with some power. And he's going to, you know, he's going to put some hurt on the devil. Don't feel sorry for the devil. The de devil deserves all the hurt he can get. Because he'd keep you in those ropes and just keep pummeling you. And so the Holy Spirit comes and Jesus says, when he the helper comes, when he the helper comes, it's only the second time in the scriptures that the word helper is used. The helper is also, he says, I will make a helper. Your wife is a helper. And the Holy Spirit is a helper. And I asked, I asked, I asked God, uh, why, why, why is the Holy Spirit introduced as a helper? And he says, because God's complicated. The Bible says, dwell with your wives with understanding. Dwell with your wife. Because how many people here have a wife and you know you need understanding? Because we go, we go through a drive-thru, we go through Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and I say, what do you, you know, do you, do, do, you wanna, do you want a combo? No, no, I just want the sandwich. You just want the sandwich. You're just a grilled chicken sandwich. Okay, I'll get a large fry for me, grilled chicken sandwich. And then, you know, they pass the bag. Because you're driving, you know, you pass the bag over. And the next minute, I'm like...
Now, let me give, give the husbands a clue. Do not call her out on that because I'm telling you, those next three nights on the sofa were not pleasant. Dwell with your wives with understanding because I don't, I don't understand. And, and <laughs> may, may I also say to you that if you ask her what is wrong and she says, you're in big boo-boo. She says nothing, but oh dear God, everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. Now, let me just say this. When, when it's her birthday and you're on a management retreat and, and her birthday falls in the middle of the management retreat and you say, babe, and she says, no, no, don't get me a present because it's going to be awkward. I don't want anything. Wait till we get back. She doesn't mean it. <laughs> I have so many Forrest Gump moments where stupid is as stupid does. Okay. So let me just tell you, if your bride is un poquito complicated, the God of the universe. I mean, if anybody ever comes and says, hey, I've completely figured God out and I've got him in this little box. Uh, they haven't got God. So the Holy Spirit comes and the Bible says that he searches the deep things of God. And, and he knows the heart of God and he reveals them to you and I. So he, he teaches you how to access God, how to pray. So I love the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, is beautiful. But he comes and the Holy Spirit comes to give you vision. And he says, it's very important for you to see. And, and we, we want to make sure that we're a church. So we do Vision Sunday. And most churches, when they do Vision Sunday, they tell you the vision of the church. Well, the vision of the church, it's kind of a little bit boring. It's like awake in a city. It's like, you know, reach people. You know, it's like make disciples. It's, you know, it's simple, done, move over. No, no, I want to raise or I believe that God wants us to actually develop people that are visionaries. You know, you should have a vision and a dream. Uh, one of the guys in my church grew up in the projects in Chicago. Projects in Chicago. And, and I said to him, I said, Mr. Andre, I said, how, what, what's, what, what keeps the people? Because he's got, he's got two degrees, two MBAs. And whenever he goes back, they, they persecute him. They persecute him because they feel that he forsook his people to, to be successful in the white man's world. And he says they're still doing drug deals and they're still, and they're still living in the same projects. And I said, well, you know, you broke away. What, what is it about them? And he says, he says that the number one thing that needs to shift is that these people cannot see. He says, my, my brothers and my friends and my cousins, they just can't see success. That they can't see how it's going to be any different. He says, until they can see themselves successful, until they can see themselves breaking away, nothing's going to change. Nothing changes. That's why vision comes first. No, how many people know that nothing changed in Sarah's womb until God took Abraham outside and changed what Abraham saw? God had to change what Abraham saw before he could change what was in Abraham's family. Be before God can change what's in your hand, He's got to change what's in your vision. So this year, we, we want you to, to, to get with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't here to hurt you. He's your helper sent by Jesus to fill you, fill you with power. And, but He doesn't just come with power. He comes with gifts and He comes with vision. So let the Holy Spirit begin to dream. 
You know, one of the things that I believe that, that happens and why God called us awaken is that in this place, it should awaken the, the potential. It should awaken possibility. It should awaken dreams. Maybe the devil killed your dream. Remember, remember um, Lazarus was dead. But before he was dead, he was sick, and they sent a message to Jesus, and Jesus was on assignment. He's like, ah, he says, listen, this sickness won't end in death, and he carries on, and now they come, they say, hey, Lazarus is dead. And he says, we're going to go to Bethany now, uh, you know, to, to minister to Lazarus. And they're like, uh, yeah, he's, and he says, no, 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 we're going to go and wake him up. He's just sleeping. And they say, well, well, if he's sleeping, that's a good sign. You know, he'll sleep it off, and she's like, oh. He says, no, no, it's for your sake. It's for you. I'm just using, you see death as game over. I just see it as sleeping and I'm going to go and wake him up. And when he got there, when he got there, you know, they're all freaking out. And, uh, but Jesus wasn't freaked out. And Martha said, Lord, if only you would have been here, you could have prevented this. You could have, you could have been a preventionist. But I need you to know that you, even though kind of humanity got together and we formed a committee and we determined that God, you know, Lord from henceforth as human beings, we formed a committee here on planet earth and we have deemed thee the preventionist. Because if you talk to any atheist, they will tell you, yeah, well, if God's, if, if God's real, then why did that accident happen with an earthquake? And if God's good, then why did that plane crash? And, you know, because they, because they honestly, they, they believe that God's job is to be a preventionist. You know, that we're kind of driving drunk and God should just kind of always be preventing bad things from happening. And because we voted him, but, but Jesus, because... Martha said, Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened, preventionist. Mary said, look, Rabona, Rabona, if only you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened, preventionist. And then when, the, when Jesus wept, the Pharisee says, look at this man weeping. Could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind, could not he have prevented this man from dying? So we have a problem. We see God as a preventionist. But Jesus didn't say, I'm a preventionist. He said, Martha, Mary. He says, your brother will rise again. Yeah. They're like, I know, I know. In the resurrection at the last day. He's like, no, no, sweetie, sweetie. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Where I go, resurrection follows. Where I go, life follows. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I'm not a preventionist, I'm a resurrectionist. And he came and he, he woke Lazarus up. So in this house, maybe there are dreams that died. Maybe there are hopes that died. Maybe there are ambitions that died. Maybe things in your life are dead. Awaken church is here to awaken that which seemed, man, if God was real, He could have prevented this. No, no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God is a resurrection God. God is gonna breathe on dreams. So we want you to dream again. The second one, the second point today is 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 freedom. Second point is freedom. Last week we had Freedom Sunday. Because to have vision without the freedom to chase that vision, without the freedom to pursue that vision, is, is a prison of frustration. If you have a vision, but you are chained and you can't go after that vision, is there anything more cruel? The devil is a freedom thief. When God created man, and I need you to hear this because this is going to begin to, this is going to, begin to pull 
at the, the string that's going to begin to unravel a religious dogma that has kind of been set over the valley, over Salt Lake, that is a lie. When, when God created Adam, He didn't create Adam to be a worker. A lot of people think, well, you know, God created a garden and shoot, somebody's got to take it. I'm not getting my hands dirty. So I'll make a man and there you go, slave. I mean, son. And God didn't create you because He wanted a worker. God didn't create you because He wanted a slave. God created you because He wanted a family. He wanted a family. So let me just help you. So, so God gave Adam life. The Bible says that God breathes into Adam. and Adam becomes a living being. And then the Bible says that God then takes the man in Genesis 2.15 and the Lord put the man in the garden. He placed the man in the garden whom he had created to tend and keep that garden. And then the Lord said to Adam, he says, of all the trees of the garden, you can freely eat. He says, but there's one tree right here in the middle of the garden that belongs to me. You can't eat of it. Don't eat of it because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. But of all the trees, all the other trees you can eat from. So a lot of people say, well, you know, if God knows everything, if He knows the end from the beginning, why do you put the blinking tree there? Like why, why not like surround it with a moat, like with piranhas? You know, like with, you know, like crocodiles and electric fans. Ah, that's electricity. You know, like why not? Why, why, why would God put a tree in the garden that can kill him that he's not meant to eat from? Why, why just not put it there? Why, why would God do that? This is, this is, this is going to wreck theology. God put the tree in the garden because God didn't want you to just exist. He didn't want you to just have vision. He didn't want you to just have life. He wanted you to have freedom. If you cannot choose, you are not free. If you cannot choose, you are not free. God did not create human automatons. I love you, Lord. I worship you with all my heart. I am your servant, most high God. Like he didn't, he didn't create, he didn't create mankind. He didn't create you to, to be an automaton. He didn't create you so that, 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 you, that you have no free will. If, if I was pre-programmed to, to only marry Leanne, if, if, if I don't have the choice, like in the book of Proverbs 31, it says this. It says that this extraordinary woman is extraordinary because it says uh, her children rise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. He says many daughters have done well. Many do there are many beautiful and fine women. He says, but sweetheart, you, you excel them all. If you don't have the choice, if you don't have the freedom to choose, are you really free? The problem that I have, the concern that I have for the United States of America right now is with the censoring of big tech of freedom of speech. Because if you're not free to speak, are you really free? Well, no, no, they're censoring hate speech. 
Like we can't have hate speech. Well, who made them the, the, the moral police, the speech police? Because freedom of speech means that you can reach for something that can kill you. That you can say something that might. But freedom is that, that we come to a table and you bring your philosophy, I bring my philosophy. And yours may be completely different to mine. Mine may be completely different to yours. And then we look at the merits of what you're saying. And I may have to humble myself and say, my goodness gracious, you're 100% right. Wow, I've been living under a rock. But if you remove that, if you remove that, one of the great freedoms is lost. If you don't have the freedom to choose your elected officials, if, if software and machinery is brought in to override, are you really free? Be very, very careful because any nation that has, their, has had their elections predetermined and predecided through fraudulent means, it never bodes well. And the reason it doesn't bode well is because they don't care about your voice. What makes us equal is freedom of speech, that you have a voice and I have a voice. And even though we may not agree on what is the subject, we agree that both of us come to the table as equals, that we have a, have a voice together, that we can... But when one seeks to take away one's voice, it is the elevation of one over the other. Nimrod was the first. He, the Bible says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He didn't hunt game. He didn't hunt animals to put bearskin rugs and trophies from his wall. He hunted men to rule over. Instead of men worshiping the Lord and living free with God, he wanted to entrap and enslave men that he would be master over them. He would be the master and they would be the, the subject class. All the way through the history of the world, we've always seen, whether it was Adolf Hitler, whether it was Mao Zedong, whether it was Joseph Stalin, whether we've, we've seen it again and again and again, an elite class wanting to rule over a second class. And the freedom to choose, the freedom to speak, always are removed by those that seek to enslave. But God, the price that He paid, the price that He paid, like Adam and Eve ended up eating from it. And God is trying to make a statement like, no, 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 you need to understand. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. I, I so value freedom that I, I, know, I know that they chose wrong. And the world is a mess because of it. But I would rather come in and mop up the mess of the world. I would rather be crucified on a cross than remove the freedom for you to be able to have a vision, a dream for your life, and then the freedom to pursue it. Our founding fathers said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that we have been endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, of these are liberty, life, and the pursuit of happiness, or life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So they know that, that God is the author of life, but unless you have liberty, unless you have freedom, you can't pursue happiness. Be very, very careful for those who want to re remove your freedom. 
man has no right to remove your freedom. Can I tell you, your rights do not come from the government. You don't need the government to give you permission to have life, to have liberty and the pursuit of happiness. These things come from God. Be very, very skeptical of a government that seeks to overthrow God. I've read that somewhere in the Scripture. Anyway, so let me now land this plane because they're already doing this to me. And uh, God wants you to have vision. God wants you to have freedom to go after that vision. But this is the word that I want to impart to you. This is what I want you to catch. God wants you to have courage. God wants you to have courage. In Joshua 1 verse 8, God God says to Joshua, now this is the third time. He says, Joshua, Joshua, I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. Three times in Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous, strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. He says, meditate in my word. Meditate in my Lord day and night for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I'm telling you, courage comes from immersing yourself in the Word of God. You're the smartest people in all of Salt Lake City because on a Sunday morning, you came to the house of God and you came to, to hear, to lean in. I promise you the Word is, gonna, is not going to steal from you. The Word isn't going to devalue. The Word is going to elevate. The Word is going to, the word is going to accelerate. The Word is going to put strength on the inside of you. But I've got to tell you, it, it requires courage. All advancement in your life requires courage. To start a business, oh man, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I've got enough... We need some capital. We need some investment. I'm not, I'm, man, it's a big risk. We're going to take all of our savings. That takes courage. For you to ask her out takes courage. For you to, for you to get down on that knee and ask her, would she, would she trust you with the rest of her life takes courage. Everything in life requires, in fact, you cannot advance without courage. Joshua couldn't go into the promised land and be be the fulfiller of the destiny that he was to carry to to conquer all the giants, sack the cities and distribute it to to the children of Israel unless God said eight times, three times in Joshua 1, five times in Deuteronomy, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. God is looking to raise a church of courage. This is what the, the Lord said to me in December. He said that when courage rises in men, God begins to move mightily. When courage rises in men, God begins to move mightily. Do you know, do you know when they're looking at Goliath in, in the valley, the, 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 the rhetoric, the narrative is who is able to fight this man? He's a champion, he's undefeated, he's 10 feet tall, he's, he's equipped, he's armored. Like man, who is able? And the Bible says, David said, what'll be done for the guy who kills him? And they're like, no, 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 that's, I'm not sure if you're hearing us. We're all living in an echo chamber. Who is able to fight this guy? David has a completely different narrative because David is leaning on the Word of God. The Word of God said that when you cross into this land that I am giving to you and your descendants, no man shall be able to stand before you. So they're like, who is able to stand against this man? And, And David's like, yeah, hello man, hello, no man. But they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but he's, he's an anomaly. God's power only works in some 
God only works, God's power only works on men who are under six feet tall. But David's like, no, 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 he's a man. That's why David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, I identify him as a man. And the reason I say uncircumcised is because he is not in covenant with the Most High. We are in covenant with the Most High. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant, circumcision was the Old Covenant. He says, we are in covenant with the Most High who made this promise. And so David goes down there without a sword. Like Goliath looks at him and says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And David's like, oh, shoot, I forgot sticks. He didn't even have a stick. He had no armour. Like Goliath had a bronze helmet on his head, you know, breastplate, you know. David, David, he's just got a shepherd's tunic on. He's just kind of skipping down there. He's got a little shepherd's pouch with five smooth stones. He doesn't like the rough ones, they chafe his fingers. And so he just has five smooth stones and a sling. And everyone's like, oh dear God, who let this happen? Oh, it's a train wreck. Where's his parents? Like, I guarantee you that little boy did not get a letter from his mum saying it's all right. There was no signature. There was no permission slip. His mum probably doesn't even know, you know. And But David goes in. Everyone's like, David knew that day. He says, not only am I taking your head, but I'm not, I'm not just coming after you. I'm coming after all your ugly brothers. And I'm coming after the armies of the Philistines. David had courage. Gideon. Gideon's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? I mean, he looks like a wuss. But God draws out his strengths. We would say, well, he's hiding in a wine press. Yeah, at least he's doing something. Everyone else is sucking their thumb in a fetal position. He's at least doing something. It may not be much, but he's doing something. He's standing up for himself, for his own family. And God says, man, there's strength on the inside of you. There's courage on the inside of you. William Wallace says to the, the guy who betrayed him twice, who was on the wrong side twice, he says, there's courage in you. If you just lead these men that follow you, and so would I. And everything changes in the landscape of Scotland. And they push back Longshanks because of courage. Courage is faith activated. If you said, hey, what, is, what does faith activated look like? Courage. The Bible says faith without works is, faith without works is, See, if I, if, I, if I just believe something, but I don't actually let that belief turn into my action, it's dead. It's, it's, God brings you with faith because He's looking for courage. This year, get vision. Understand that God has given you freedom. Vision comes from the Holy Spirit. Freedom comes from what Christ did on the cross. But the Father works mightily on the behalf of those who have courage. Step out this year. Take some risks this year. But what, what, if it, what if I fail? You've got a God that says, even if the righteous fall, 
the Lord is there to uphold him with his righteous right hand. The Bible says, even if I fall, I will not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds me with his righteous right hand. The first time you tried to walk, you fell. First time you tried to ride a bike, you fell. Imagine if, imagine if your parents picked you up and said, well, I guess walking's not for you. Like you imagine if, you know, we're like, you know, waiting for church to start and there's, you know, you know, two 70-year-old people carrying in their 45-year-old son. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah, you know, he tried to walk, failed. Couldn't, we've been carrying him all these years. He's just not a walker. I mean, you'd be like, no, get, let him. You fail your way forward. What takes more courage? Guaranteed success? Or where you made a mistake or you didn't quite get it the first time? The first time Vince jumped off a 20-foot cliff skiing, I guarantee he probably ate some snow. Now let me just tell you, when you eat snow, do not eat the yellow stuff. That, that's got no lemon zest in it. Alex said it's got lemon zest. I'm like, oh, that's not Anyway, and so you're gonna make some mistakes. Come on, somebody. How many people know, how many people know that courage can take, take a licking and keep on kicking? Courage is getting back up. Courage is Neo in the matrix gets knocked down, gets up, wipes the blood. And Where Agent Smith is like, Mr. Anderson, I keep knocking you down, but you keep rising. Why, why would you bother? Why do you keep getting up when you know I could? And Neo's like, because I choose to. The kingdom advances. God moves mightily when men are courageous. My favorite story, and I have to finish, have to finish. My favorite story is a guy called Shema. 2 Samuel 23, Shema. The Bible says that the Philistines had regathered and regrouped their army. And there was a field of ground that belonged to Israel full of lentils. And the Bible says that all Israel fled from the army that was marching, coming in to take this ground. And the Bible says as, as they're all fleeing, Shema is with them and then he just stops. And he's like... I don't got no more fleeing in me. And he turns around and the Bible says he stations himself in the midst of the field. One man in the midst of a field and the, the entire Philistine army marching. And they're looking at one man in the field. And they're like, what's, what's he doing? Now, before you think, well, because he's a vegan and lentils was like, no, the Bible does not say he was a vegan, okay? But they advance and they see one man left in the field and they're like, everyone else is flat. Everyone else is flat like dog. Why this man not flee? Flee little dog, why you stand here? What, what, what he do, why he stand? Maybe he lost, yeah, you lose something. And then all of a sudden they look and they just see Shema who's got no more flea in him. 
one man, one man stood in that field against an army of Philistines. And when the commander said attack, the Bible says, and Shema slew the Philistines with a great slaughter. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, hang on, watch this, watch, come on. Yeah, give God a praise. The Lord brought about a great victory. Here's the problem with the church. Here's the problem with our thinking. You know, I don't, why, why, why doesn't the Lord do something? Like, why doesn't He just, and you know, kill all the Philistines? Like, it took a man with courage. Shema did the fighting. The Lord brought about a great victory. Shema had the courage. The Lord brought about a great victory in my life, in my life. Every great victory from God, and I give God all the glory. I, I could not have done this. But in every single one of them, God says, will you go? Despite the fact that there's no security. Will you stand? Despite the fact that no one else is standing. When you look to your left and your right, you are alone in a field. You are the lone voice. You're the... Elijah said, I alone am left of the prophets of the Lord. There are times where you got it, where courage requires you to stand where no one else is standing, to speak what no one else is speaking, to go where no one else is going, to do what no one else is doing. But if you'll do that, if you will do that, God will move mightily on your life. Amen. Amen. Can we even receive that this morning? Give God a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, one more time. Give God a great praise. They warned me not to go overtime and I've gone overtime. Yeah, Alex said, no, if I, if I go over, they're not having me back. And Becca said. But I want you to lift your hands. If today you need some courage, if you need some courage, lift your hands. Can, can I tell you, here's the most beautiful thing about God. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Never fear your deficits. Never fear your deficits. When, when, I, when I stand in God's presence, I am immediately aware of my deficits. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When you stand in the presence of God, you'll immediately be aware of your deficits. When you hear the Word of God, you'll immediately be aware that on the ledger, you come up way short. You may be even in the red on some of these areas. But God never reveals things to humiliate you. He never re reveals things to make you feel worthless. He reveals the deficit so that He can fill those things. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wait in Jerusalem for you shall be filled with power when the Holy Ghost comes. God is a God that fills you. So whenever you hear something in church, don't let the devil say, see, you're such a failure. You're such a miserable. The Spirit of God says, shut up, devil. The Spirit of God says, I revealed that. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, I was a smarty pants until I stood in the presence of God. Then I realized, oh my God, I lack wisdom. I'm a forest gum, stupid is a stupid does. But the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. When you come to the house of God, know this, that 
as you sit in this present, you will become aware of your deficits. Man, I don't pray as much as I should. Man, I don't, I don't read the Word. I don't know the Bible as well as it. Man, I don't. That's okay. That's all right. That's, in fact, that's a confirmation in your right spot. But understand that the Holy Spirit, He's the, he's the gap filler. And He doesn't just fill you to near the top. The Bible says He always fills to overflowing. He always fills to overflowing. So if you need courage, one more time, lift your hands. Father, you see all these magnificent sons and daughters of yours. And I pray, Lord God, that 2021 would be the year, would be the year that everything shifted, that everything changed, that the testimony of every person with their hand raised would be, this was the year that the Lord brought about a mighty victory in my life. I didn't realize all I need to do was activate His mighty, was for me to step out in courage, was for me to be courageous. So this year, this year, step out. With, with your hands lifted, would you say these words out loud? Say, Heavenly Father, I declare today, that I'm going to let go of fear, of second guessing, of my inhibitions. This year, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to put on courage so I can see you move mightily on my behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Give God a praise. Before I hand back, before I hand back, would you just, as you're standing, just close your eyes for just 30 seconds. Listen, if you're, if you're here and you're away from God, far from God, disconnected from God, maybe you once walked with God, but just the pull of the world or some bad choices or you've been eating from trees you shouldn't eat from, whatever it is, you just know you're away from God. You're distant from God. At Awakened Church, we believe that nobody needs to leave the same way they came in. At Awakened Church, we know that Jesus died on the cross, not so that God could watch you from a distance like Bette Midler sings, but so that God could come and make His home and reside in your heart. Him and you, you and Him, that you would be born again, filled with new hope, filled with new vision, filled with new life. If you're like, hey, I need that today. I'm away from God. Man, my, my sins have separated me from God. I'm just far from God. I, I once walked with God, but I need to come back to God. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want to say a quick prayer for you as I close this service. If that's you, would you quickly just give me a wave of your hand? Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Is there somebody else? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, darling. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Thank you up the back. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Beautiful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand in there. God bless you. Is there one more? I am out of time and I need a hand. Oh, I see that hand in there. Thank you, sweetie. So beautiful, darling. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. So many hands. Thank you, thank you, darling. Thank you through there. Oh, I didn't see you. God bless you, sweetheart. You know, why don't we all say this prayer? Because there were so many of us that raised our hands. Just keep your eyes closed and say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you sent Jesus Christ, your only Son, into the world, not to start another religion, but to die on the cross, to wipe away all my sin so that I could be 
forgiven, clean, a child of God. I thank you, Jesus, that you took that mission to save my life. Today I ask, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.